Thank you very much. You are listening to the Jazz Focus here on WETF, South Bend, Indiana, the Jazz Station. My name is John Clark, and very glad to be back with you again this week. We are listening today to the music of Duke Ellington, and particularly the music that his orchestra recorded uh, for a transcription service. We've done several programs and podcasts and so forth about transcription recordings. And these were uh, things that bands, usually or often major bands, did. They would uh, take time off from their regular recording for their commercial purposes, and they would record in uh, a studio for uh, tracks that would be used for radio stations, for um, promotional purposes, sometimes for the military, uh, many different uh, reasons for that. And Duke Ellington made a series of transcriptions in 1946 and 47 uh, for capital, capital transcriptions. And these were marketed, I suppose, to radio stations and so forth. And uh, this coincided with a period in his career where he was kind of just sort of in betwixt and between. He had uh, was finishing up uh, a long series of recordings for RCA Victor. He had been under contract to Victor starting in his early Cotton Club days, 1927, going up to 1934, although he recorded for many other companies during that period. And then again in 1940 with the famous Blanton Webster version of the Duke Ellington Band. And that uh, uh, contract uh, carried him through 1946, through March of 1946, or actually September of 1946, following which he he went with a very small company called Musicraft, and the Musicraft recordings are somewhat legendary. They're not uh, maybe uh, as earth-shattering, groundbreaking as the earlier Ellington recordings, but there's some really fine music on there. And this was sort of the last hurrah of this version of the Duke Ellington band. He lost quite a few members of his band in 1950-51. Uh, Johnny Hodges left, Lawrence Brown, and so forth. But during this period of 1946-47, to 47, when the recordings that we're going to be listening to today were made, uh, he had... Uh, Many of uh, the musicians in his band had been, who had been with him for uh, as much as 15 to 20 years. So he had a very uh, professional, very well-seasoned group. And uh, we're going to listen to a series of uh, recordings that represent his compositions, compositions by Billy Strayhorn, and Ellington arrangements of non-Ellington compositions, things that you would have heard him play on a dance date. This, uh, these transcriptions really represented a broad cross-section of his repertoire at the time. We started out with a Billy Strayhorn tune called The Overture to a Jam Session, and this was a very uh, elaborate piece which featured short solos by a number of players. Jimmy Hamilton on clarinet, Oscar Pettiford on bass, Taft Jordan on trumpet, and Ray Nance on violin, and uh, very short solos sort of growing out of the ensemble. This was almost a classical piece in a way, done in a jazz style, and Strayhorn really was... Uh, uh, the best at this type of composition, and a lot of jazz influence, obviously, and some improvisation, too. 
Following that, we went to a feature for the great baritone saxophonist, Harry Carney, and it was called Sono, S-O-N-O, and it was composed by Duke Ellington, and it featured Carney pretty much through the whole uh, recording uh, of the tune, as well as a little feature for the saxophone section in the middle. Carney had one of the most majestic sounds of any saxophone player who ever lived, and um, he really was responsible for putting the baritone saxophone on the map in terms of jazz arranging. He had started playing as a, as a youth with uh, the Ellington Band by 1927, and he stayed with him without pause until Ellington died in 1974, and Carney uh, only outlived him by about six months. Um, but his sound, anchoring the whole band, the sax section especially, was really a key component uh, throughout all those years, and nowhere is it more evident than on these recordings we're going to listen to today. So Sono was recorded on the first session for these capital transcriptions, which was on March 28th of 1946. And then uh, the uh, other tune we mentioned, the overture to the jam session, was from January of 1947. So uh, these, uh, these, uh, these recordings spanned about a year and a half or so. So we're going to go on to a series of Ellington compositions and uh, things that uh, he had introduced at various points in his career. We're going to start out with probably the oldest tune that was recorded during these sessions. This is called the Mooch, and it was a, a bluesy tune that was done to back up a, uh, a chorus line, basically, at the Cotton Club back in 1927 or so, 27, 28. And uh, it was one of Ellington's first really uh, significant recordings. This was recorded on July 20. Uh, July 17th of 1946, and uh, the arrangement hasn't changed a great deal in all of that time, but uh, the playing certainly has. There's some different interesting solos, some more searching music here as well. We're also going to hear... Um, well, from the original drummer, Sonny Greer. This was uh, getting into his last days with the Ellington Band. He had been with him since the beginning. They had been uh, running buddies uh, in New York and in Washington, D.C., where Ellington grew up, too, I believe. So we're going to hear, in addition to Sonny Greer and the very uh, atmospheric uh, rhythm section, we're going to hear a duet, uh, a couple of duets, a clarinet duet between Russell Procope on clarinet. He plays the lower clarinet part, and Jimmy Hamilton plays the upper clarinet part. Then we're going to hear a duet between Johnny Hodges on alto sax and Joe Nanton, Tricky Sam Nanton on trombone. And these, <laughs> this solo was actually made with some of Nanton's last breaths. He only died about four days after this session, uh, after having been with the Ellington Band again for 20 years. He was a significant uh, member of the early Ellington Band and the sound colors that Ellington produced in that period. So after the mooch, we're going to go to a nice jazzy tune called In a Jam which was recorded in July of 1946. It had originally been recorded in about 1936 uh, for the Columbia label. And we're going to hear several soloists, two or three anyway, who were actually members of the band back then, including the, the Duke himself, Duke Ellington on piano, along with another turn for Joe Nanton on trombone and Johnny Hodges on alto sax. We're also going to hear from the tenor saxophone player who replaced Ben Webster in the Webster Blanton Band, Al Sayers, who had a very preachy, shouty style of tenor sax that... Uh, 
is very interesting. It didn't sound like he didn't sound like anybody else in the Ellington band before, during, or after. But uh, he had some wonderful innings on these Ellington recordings. And we're going to hear two trumpet solos. The first one is by Taft Jordan. Uh, he had been playing. He had played with the Chick Webb Band in the 1930s and a little bit beyond. And he joined Ellington uh, as a sort of a Louis Armstrong stylist and also as a singer. And then at the end, we're going to hear the screaming high notes of Cat Anderson, uh, which is a, another significant part of the Ellington style at this point. After that, we're going to hear a nice slow tune, uh, also by Duke Ellington, called Moon Mist. And uh, this tune is going to feature two soloists primarily, Ray Nance, uh, not on cornet here, but on violin, and Johnny Hodges on alto sax. We'll also hear a little bit of Lawrence Brown's very smooth trombone playing on there. Following that, we're going to hear the unbooted character. This is a, um, uh, a more recent uh, tune for... The Ellington Band. It was a contemporary one. Some of these tunes we're going to be hearing from this point were ones that he introduced at some of his yearly Carnegie Hall concerts, especially the one in 1946, um, which happened in December. They usually happened around Christmas. The Unbooted Character will feature Ellington along with Lawrence Brown, Jimmy Hamilton, the wonderful clarinet player, uh, who sounded more like Benny Goodman than Benny Goodman sometimes, a marvelous technical player. And then another trumpet duet, this time between Taft Jordan and Harold Shorty Baker, who had a very distinctive style. Um, at the time, he was married to Mary Lou Williams, who I think traveled with the band sometimes, and even wrote some arrangements for it. Then we're going to finish up that uh, uh, Duke Ellington session with a tune called Jump for Joy. This came from a, a, uh, a stage show that Ellington put together, or was largely responsible for, in 1941 that was an early uh, civil rights declaration, I guess you'd have to say. And you'll hear the lyrics on here, which reference uh, some all-black movies of the 1930s, uh, Green Pastures, and also have some somewhat edgy, biting lyrics to it as well. And Ray Nance will be singing on this one. We'll also hear, um, I believe, uh, Joe Nanton at the beginning of this. So those are our tunes for this set. The Mooch, In a Jam, Moon Mist, Unbooted Character, and Jump for Joy. Ha 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 ha! 
Bottle style, honey child, jump joy. Don't you believe all the hounds I do believe have been killed up and you feel jump for joy. Have you seen pastors groovy? I'm telling you, green pastors, it's just a technical movie. When you get up to heaven and you meet old Saint Pete, tell that boy, jump for joy. Step right in, give my man skin, jump for joy. That's all that is necessary. Uh, some very good Duke Ellington from 1946 and 47. We started out with the Mooch from July of 1946, and as I mentioned, uh, that was um, Joe Nanton, Tricky Sam Nanton's last solo with the band. There's another one uh, from the same date that we're going to hear, but I think chronologically that was the final one after almost 20 years in Ellington's band uh, and contributing enormously to the color palette of Ellington's arrangements. That was it for Tricky Sam. So we started out again with, actually, with Ray Nance on uh, Muted Trumpet and ending with Ray Nance as well on the Mooch with Nanton and Johnny Hodges doing a duet and um, on the clarinets, Russell Prokop on the lower part and Jimmy Hamilton on the higher part playing that very moody uh, jungle music theme. After that, we went to In a Jam, the uh, Ellington tune from about 1936, recorded 10 years later, featuring Ellington. Another solo by Joe Nanton uh, from the same date. Johnny Hodges again. Taft Jordan and, uh, well, Taft Jordan on the first trumpet solo. Al Sears on tenor sax. And Cat Anderson finishing it out in screaming style. And then something completely different, an Ellington tune called Moon Mist, which brought out two of the more, or actually three of the more tender voices of the Ellington band, Ray Nance on violin, Johnny Hodges on alto, and Lawrence Brown on trombone. Very smooth, very uh, pleasant uh, piece, very, very beautiful sound. After that, we went to an unusual uh, tune called The Unbooted Character, another Ellington uh, piece that ends very <laughs> inconclusively or humorously, depending on how you look at it, with a trumpet duo between Taft Jordan and Harold Baker. Uh, before that, we heard some fine piano by Ellington, who was really an excellent stride pianist. That's how he uh, developed as a musician in Washington in the early 1900s, and periodically he would return to that. But a lot of his writing was informed by the stride piano style. Uh, and after him, we heard uh, again, Lawrence Brown on trombone and Jimmy Hamilton on a really wonderful clarinet solo. 
Then we finished up with, uh, as I mentioned, that great tune called Jump for Joy from the um, show of the same name, 1941. This was from 1947, and I had uh, uh, originally said that it was Joe Nanton playing the first solo. It was not, because he was, unfortunately, uh, passed away by then. Uh, but he had soloed on the original 1942 or 41 version for Victor. Uh, here, his place was taken by Lawrence Brown. We heard Ray Nance singing in place of... Um, uh, Herb Jeffries, who uh, sang it in the show, uh, but bringing his own, Nance's own uh, personal quality to that. And we heard Johnny Hodges taking a solo as well. So it's really a great tune and a very interesting tune from point of view of race relations and civil rights. So now we're going to go on and hear uh, four tunes that were uh, arranged by Ellington, but not composed by him. These had been recorded for Victor, uh, sort of in the last hurrah of the Victor recording contract, which, as I mentioned, was uh, not renewed after Ellington finished up his obligations in September of 1946. So clearly Ellington didn't want to waste any of his new tunes or any of his uh, original tunes on uh, a contract that was he knew was already finished. He was saving those for Music Craft, which he started recording for one month later in October of 1946. So we're going to hear, um, first of all, a, a tune called Swamp Fire, which is a, a, an unusual song. It was composed by a fellow named Harold Mooney, and it was actually recorded several times by different bands in the 1930s. I think Hal, Hal Kemp had an interesting recording of this. Um, the Ellington arrangement sort of goes off of that, and the stock too, but was clearly uh, dressed up considerably, and we're going to hear Ellington and Oscar Pettiford on bass, along with some atmospheric clarinet by Jimmy Hamilton and uh, Al Sears on tenor sax. Following that, we're going to hear two tunes that Ellington had uh, arranged uh, partly for the, that last recording session, but also as part of a suite he did at one of his Carnegie Hall concerts um, called uh, the W.C. Handy Suite. Of course, W.C. Handy was called the father of the blues and wrote a lot of blues tunes or or compiled them, as some people would say, and Ellington uh, arranged three or four of them. We're going to hear two right now. We're going to hear the Memphis Blues and the St. Louis Blues. Of course, St. Louis Blues was probably his most famous. Memphis Blues was one of the first blues ever published in about 1914. So, uh, the Memphis Blues will feature uh, Johnny Hodges along with Ellington on piano, some wonderful Harry Carney uh, parts, but uh, some solos as well. Also, Shelton Hempfill, who had played trumpet in several Harlem bands, including the... Um uh, Mills Blue Rhythm Band was playing with Ellington at this point. Ellington's band had five and sometimes six trumpet players at this stage of the game, and uh, each one of them got a solo somewhere along the line. And then Jimmy Hamilton on clarinet. On St. Louis Blues, we're going to hear Ray Nance singing, um, and also, again, Johnny Hodges, Oscar Pettiford, and a characteristic tenor solo from Al Sears. Really interesting music there. Then we're going to finish up with uh, a standard from a much earlier date. I can't uh, believe that you're in love with me, which Ellington arranged and also um, features, to a certain degree anyway, features Harry Carney. Um, this was a tune that Ellington had recorded about 10 years earlier in 1947, uh, nine years earlier, I guess, but it uh, features again Harry Carney and also some Taft Jordan on trumpet, along with Ray Nance uh, doing some uh, trades with Jordan on trumpet and Jimmy Hamilton on clarinet. So that's going to be our sort of mini uh, set of non-Ellington tunes arranged by Duke Ellington. Swamp Fire, Memphis Blues, St. Louis Blues, and I Can't Believe That You're In Love With Me.
sun go down Cause my baby done left this town Now if I'm feeling tomorrow just like I feel today Ooh, if I'm feeling tomorrow like I feel today I'm gonna pack my trunk and make my getaway If she didn't have a cat that cock, great big pop gold. That gal of mine never would be so sober. Blues, 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 I can be. Blues, 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 I can be. My gal got a heart like a rock.
Well, that was Duke Ellington's arrangements of four tunes that he did not compose. We started out with the Hal Mooney tune, Swamp Fire, from the 1930s, and that featured uh, Ellington and Oscar Pettiford up front, and then some uh, other fine solos, including Jimmy Hamilton and Al Sears. And then we went on to two W.C. Handy tunes that Ellington apparently composed, or arranged rather, on a recording date, at that last recording date for RCA Victor. And uh, this was done, these recordings were done several months later, so the band had had time to internalize them a little bit, and uh, we heard the Memphis Blues and the St. Louis Blues. St. Louis Blues had a vocal by Ray Nance and a wonderful tenor solo, stomping tenor solo by Al Sears. When Al Sears left the band in about 1950 or so, he eventually joined the group that Johnny Hodges put together after he left the band, and they had a minor hit with a tune called Castle Rock, which featured that type of tenor playing. It was kind of a jukebox hit at the time. Then we finished up with I Can't Believe You're in Love With Me, featuring Harry Carney on baritone sax at the beginning and Jimmy Hamilton on clarinet at the end. And in between, we had a trumpet duo between Ray Nance and Taft Jordan. And it was very hard to tell where one started and the other left off because they had very similar styles at the time, very much under the Louis Armstrong influence. So I hope you've enjoyed this show of Duke Ellington Capital Transcriptions from 1946 to 47. This is the Jazz Focus on WETF, South Bend, Indiana, the Jazz Station. My name is John Clark, and uh, we have two more tunes for you. A ballad performance featuring Johnny Hodges. You have to feature Johnny Hodges on a Duke Ellington performance at least once. And this is a tune called Sultry Sunset, which didn't enter the uh, standard catalog of Ellington tunes, unfortunately, because it's a really a beautiful tune. He re-recorded it for Musicraft a couple of months later, and uh, unfortunately it didn't take off the way some of the other ones did, but well worth hearing here. And then we're going to finish up with a unusual tune by Ellington called The Suburbanite, which featured Al Sears all the way through on a very fast, stomping tenor solo. Uh, and he was the only soloist that Ellington had, tenor soloist, who really played in this style. Ben Webster was known for more moody, bluesy things, and uh, Paul Gonzalez was an unusual soloist later, but he didn't play in this really uh, gospel style that Al Sears did. So an interesting addition. So thank you very much again. My name is John Clark, and look forward to seeing you, meeting you on these airwaves again uh, next week.